0: We're going through the Bible chapter by chapter. That's what we believe in at Calvary Chapel. Uh, Not that every church needs to do it this way. They don't. But uh, we believe this is how we're built up in the Word of God, chapter by chapter. So that's what we do on Sunday night. We go through the Bible chapter by chapter. Sunday mornings we go through a book in the New Testament. We are now in Proverbs. We did not make it. Tried as I may have, I did not make it through the end of chapter 29 of Proverbs. So we are in verse 12 of Proverbs, chapter 29. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word says that we're just supposed to be desiring godly wisdom, we're not supposed to be leaning on our own understanding, but in all our ways. Acknowledging you, Lord, and trusting in you, lead us there this evening as you're taking us through these proverbs, Lord. We believe they were put there for us. That's what your word says. Yeah. I just pray that you show us how they are for us, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. So, verse twelve. Of Proverbs chapter twenty-nine, if a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. You know, just the importance of leadership. What does a leader do? Fundamentally, really simple thing is a leader. Uh, you know, people follow a leader. So if a, a leader is, it's just amazing to me how people will start mimicking the behavior of a leader. I remember sitting in a, a very large meeting an important meeting um, uh, in the company that I work for and there's like 30 people around the table and uh, I was just sort of observing things um, as uh, you know as the meeting went by I mean yes you usually do and I remember about halfway through the meeting the leader of the meeting, looked at his BlackBerry. And he looked at his BlackBerry. Within three minutes, everyone's looking at their BlackBerry. No one's paying attention to the meeting. And, and you know, that is how leadership is. If the le- leadership um, of, a, of a church is about grace, people will be falling into line. If it's legalistic... They will be falling in to line there, being legalistic. But if there's just fraud and deceit and uh, if there's hypocrisy, people will also uh, fall into into line. You know, there is an old saying that a church cannot rise above its leadership. That doesn't mean that someone in a church can't be more spiritual than the leadership of the church that's, doesn't what it, that's not what it means at all people can be but if the leadership in their behavior just is taking shortcuts with the word of God the church as a whole will never rise above that ever it's just a, it's a principle um, that is just written into creation and so so important uh, Verse 12 says, if a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. Just the importance of, of leadership in, in every span of life. Government, church, uh, families. And uh, you know the effect that leader, poor leadership has. Verse 13, the poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. Both of them will stand before God. I said this a few weeks ago on Judgment Day, and the Bible says that there's going to be a Judgment Day for every man and woman. There's a Judgment Day. There's a different judgment seat for believers than unbelievers. But when you get before the Lord on Judgment Day, you're not going to have your credit cards there, your Armani suits, your Jaguars, none of that. I know many of it, it, you in here have Armani suits and Jaguars and, and things like that, but you're not, but you're seriously, you're not going to have that. You're not going to have the prestige of your job. You're not going to have sort of the procedure that, or, or position you may have in, in a church. It's just, the Bible says we're, we are naked before the Lord. And uh, that's what this is getting at. The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. It there's no different before the Lord. Verse 14. The king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. What an awesome verse. The The care that the Lord has for the least of these. One of the wonderful things about reading through the Old Testament, seriously reading it uh, through it, is just... Reading the law and everything the law has to say about treatment of poor, treatment of immigrants, aliens, treatment of widows, treatment of orphans. And people say, Oh, I don't like the God of the Old Testament. Oh, I like God he hates. You know, I worship the God of the New Testament. Well, you don't know the God of the Old Testament if you're saying that. There's so much grace that we see uh, in the Old Testament as we have gone through it. By the way, Revelation in the the New Testament, they need to take a look at that <laughs> as well. But anyway, verse 14, the king who judges the poor with, tr- uh, rather, verse 15, the rod and rebuke give wisdom. And so the, it says, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. So it says the rod, meaning physical punishment and rebuke. So. You know, when you spank your kids and if you're spanking them anywhere else than where they have that extra fat on their rear end, that's a problem. That's abuse. But if you're doing that without also instruction, it says the rod and rebuke give wisdom. So if you're using spanking but you're not giving them instruction, you're you you going to break the spirit of your child and that you never ever want to do that. Uh, and so... Uh, there needs to be instruction that goes ar- uh, along with punishment. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You know, amazing thing in First Kings chapter 1, Adonijah, the guy who uh, tried to steal the throne from Solomon, he was one of David's sons, I think. Yeah, David's sons. It says in First Kings chapter 1 that he never disciplined Adonijah one time. Ever. David didn't. David never, ever disciplined him. Is it any wonder, how, uh, you know, all the, the, the havoc that Adonijah, uh, you know, wreaked on the society uh, that he was in. He was never disciplined. And that's what this is saying. It says, man, you leave a child to himself, someday he'll bring shame to his mother. And I am sure that Adonijah's mother was not proud of him you know when that mutiny that that uh, that he tr- that he tried and he's trying to you know basically steal the throne away from Solomon verse sixteen when the wicked are multiplied transgression increases, but the righteous will see their fall and so uh, this is an important thing to remind yourself of when you when it appears that the wicked are prospering. That's so often the case, that the righteous see their fall. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. You know, your house, your home should be a sanctuary. That's not an easy thing all the time when you have five kids. And that's, you know, we have five kids, but our house is a sanctuary and that is because we haven't we haven't we're certainly not perfect but we've corrected our children the problem is if you don't correct your children your house will not be a sanctuary it will be a hell on earth you'll be coming home to all kinds of issues that stirred up by your undisciplined kids and so uh you know your home's supposed to be a sanctuary correct your children it says yes he will give delight to your soul verse 18 famous 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 verse where there is no revelation the people cast off restraint now that word re- revelation it, it sort of means no prophecy no prophetic word not talking about predictive prophecy but a revelation a, a pr- prophecy remember supremely it's not predictive it's not about the future it's you know a prophet like Isaiah Jeremiah they were able to see the spiritual condition of their people and speak into it someone with a prophetic gift is able to see the spiritual condition of their church or their, the people there around their nation and speak um, speak the truth into it what truth the word of God the word of God. So it says that here that where there is no uh, revelation, the key, uh, people cast off restraint. And so, you know, in, in places where the word of God is not declared, you do see a real, real difference just across society. I, I, I lived many years or a number of years abroad Myself in 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 at least one country that was not a Christianized country. Uh, You practically never ran into a born-again Christian in this particular country, and so I'm sort of familiar with this whole idea here. I have a friend uh, here in Boston, and he went over to to another country that was by no means. Uh, a a Christianized country. It had not been ever, uh, at least in the past seven or eight hundred years, had really much influence at all from Christianity, from the gospel, from the good news. And he came back, even though this is a very, very popular uh, tourist destination, he came back with his girlfriend and they were very, very discouraged. These people, how can I describe them? They're they're not, I don't, he's not a, Christian but I think he's the type of guy who very very much appreciate the teachings of Jesus that type of thing and he came back very very discouraged he got off the plane and he got in the in in a taxi car a taxi cab and the first thing that the taxi cab guy said he told him I'm going to hotel XYZ and the taxi cab driver said, oh, no, my, uh, th- I, I happen to know that that uh, Hotel XYZ, it's, it's out of business. Let me take you to another hotel. And he goes, no, I, I want to go to Hotel XYZ. You go to, to Hotel XYZ. And the guy mumbled and he took him to Hotel XYZ. It had not been closed. So, like, he, he went to another city in the same country, got off the plane or wh- whatever, got into a taxi, I need to go to Hotel ABC. And the taxi cab driver said, oh, no, no, that's closed down. Let me bring you to this other hotel. And this guy figured out, this is like, uh, you know, they were trying to take him to their brother's hotel or whatever, or someplace they were going to get a kickback. And he just was so frustrated because the entire time he was played, the entire time it was like a battle to be not ripped off. And... You know, say what you you want about our country, and man, it's not headed in the right direction, but there's been an influence from the Word of God that, you know, you, you go to other countries who have not had the influence of the Bible, and it just... So often you go there, I was a a few years ago in a country, it's just everyone is scamming each other in the streets. It's like one gigantic scam. And if you're not used to it, it'll completely stress you out. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Meaning, hey, anything goes, man. It's like the book of Judges. There's everyone who did who was right in his own eyes in the book of Judges for that 450-year period. In the Old Testament, but happy is he who keeps the law. A servant will not be corrected by mere words, for though he understands, he will not respond. And we've talked about this. There's a type of person, the only way they're going, you you can correct them a hundred times. Their only way that uh, they're going to be corrected is if just calamity comes into their life, you know. They're, they're beaten up in a brawl at a bar and they finally, you know, maybe I should pay attention to these people who told me not to get drunk, you know, this type of deal. Uh, and, and, and so uh, there is a type of person like that. And God doesn't let us get away with things. It's, he'll make sure we get uh, corrected. And if it's not by mere words, it's by uh, sometimes Physically. Do you see a man hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Oh man, how many times I've gotten into trouble by being hasty too quick with my words. Man, this is just an area every day that we need to give up to the Lord. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. He, this is an interesting one here. Verse 21. He who pampers his servant from childhood will have him as a son in the end. What? What's that talking about? He who pampers it. it It's like the opposite of the one we've already talked about where you need to correct uh, people. But the the idea here is a little different. It's... I think here of the book of Philemon, uh, where it, it, you know, Philemon was a guy who had a slave who ran away to Rome. Paul took the slave in as a brother. The slave was a Christian. Philemon was a Christian too, and then Paul sent him back to Philemon and said, "Look, you need to accept this slave as a brother," which I'm sure was a hard thing for uh, a hard pill for Philemon to swallow, but you know there needs to be authority and sort of a boss employee type of deal or you know anything get you know, a parent child uh, a, 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 any sort of position of uh, authority in the church but there also just needs to be love there needs to be love there really needs to be if possible a friendship developed A love, not a patronizing sort of deal, where I'm in this position, you're in yours, and and really, um, I considered it a success uh, as a manager. As a manager, I was a manager for many years. If someone who worked for me, they left as a friend. And that's risky business, you know. Trying to be friends with your employees, people will tell you different things, and, and you need to be cautious. You, you know, you do need to be careful because there does need to be that that authority there. But the servant, servant Jesus, being a, a leader rather, uh, a servant leader, Jesus style, really does mean washing your servant's feet, pampering them. That's what. I believe this verse means. Verse 22. An angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgression. Meaning, look, if you're the type of person that gets angry, you're going to be sinning. All kinds of different sin. Verse 23. A man's pride will bring him low. But the humble in spirit will retain honor. I think of Solomon at the beginning of his reign he was so humble he said to the lord the lord said the lord told the lord said to solomon i'll give you anything just name it and solomon asked for wisdom because he was kind of scared he was a young guy and he needed to rule that great nation that had been raised up by david his father but a man's pride will bring him low i think of uzziah fantastic king ruled for 50 years but at the very end his pride brought him low he tried to go in and do the duty of a priest and then when the priest tried to stop him, he went into a fit of rage. And so uh, um, a man's pride will bring him low. Verse 24, whoever is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He swears to tell the truth, but reveals nothing. Now, this is a tough one, tough one to interpret. What it appears to mean here is that, look, if you're, you take on as a partner someone who does not have a good character, someone who steals or whatever, you're going to become someone who's covering up the truth. You know? You'll be dragged into court because of the, the behavior of your partner and you'll swear to tell the truth, but you'll have to lie about it. Because you now you've got yourself, you're a, your partner's a thief, and you realize it, and that person's just going to start affecting your character. So that's where that's getting at. The fear of man brings a snare. It's one of those verses we need to type out, print out, cut out, and put it over our doorposts. The fear of man brings a snare. You know, fear in our life just kills our life. And it kills what the Lord wants to do in our life. Fear. Fear. Verse twelve of Hebrews chapter three says this: Beware, brethren, lest there be in, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. That speaking there, unbelief. So much of unbelief is rooted in fear. You're fearful about something, and so you just you say, No, God's not going to protect me in this situation. So I, I'm just gonna I, I'm gonna depart from this. God thing just fearing in your heart just think think over the last uh, week think about something that you feared this week just think about it think back and now think about what would have happened if you just fed that fear and followed that fear and obeyed that fear think about that and what a disaster it would be if you would have done that. Fear is a snare. You know, the Lord tells us to do something and, you know, we're fearful of it. The Israelites were told to go up into the promised land. They got right up to the border. But they feared because of what they may find there. And, and, And they were turned back for 40 years. And that's why... And so they had to to wait an additional 40 years because they disobeyed the Lord and they gave into fear. That's what that verse in Hebrews 2 is referring to. Beware of of fear, of unbelief. Beware of it. It rips you off. Verse. So the rest of the verse is the fear of man is a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. So fear and trusting in the Lord are ever there's a tension there between trusting in the Lord and fear. Man, if I trust in the Lord and I'm single and I want to be married and and the Bible just says wait upon the Lord and, and, and... but but then you think, oh, but if I don't go out and, you know to a bar or something or get on the internet or whatever and find a spouse, I'll be, you know, sixty-five years old and single. And and but that's fear. Fear of a snare, brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. Verse twenty-six. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. And a. An unjust man, verse 27, is an abomination to the righteous. And he who is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. Jesus says, if the world hates me, believe Believe me, believe you me, it's going to hate you. Chapter 30, nearing the end of the book of Proverbs. The words of Agar, the son of Jacob, his utterance, this man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukai. And so we don't know who these guys are, but they were collected here for our prophet. Verse 2 Surely I am more stupid than any man, and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. And so, here is just a recognition that the natural man is brutish and doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. Turn with me quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These verses are worth reading from time to time. This is just so true uh, that... The, these verses verse 2 and 3 of Proverbs 30 that really apart from the spirit of God natural man is so limited. Verse 9 says this I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him but God has revealed to them to us rather through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things yes the Deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12 Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, verse 14, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There are some things that a person will not understand, that their heart cannot embrace without the the, the Spirit of God. And, and that's, back in Proverbs chapter 30, that's really just a recognition here that he's saying, I'm more stupid than any man. It's just that, look, apart from God, I'm clueless. Verse 4, Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? If you know... Now, this is a remarkable verse to say the very, very, very least. Here is a reference, a prophetical utterance to Jesus Christ. Obviously, this is talking about God here. Who has ascended into the heaven or descended? It's talking about God. What is his name? And what is his son's name? Now, these Jews writing this were monotheists. They believed in one God. And here you have a specific reference to... A prophetic utterance to the Son of God. What's His name, if you know? Of course, in 1 Corinthians 2 that we just read, that God has revealed to us His name by His Spirit. It's Jesus Christ. Verse 5, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. And so, at Calvary Chapel, uh, we believe in counseling uh, completely, totally from the Bible, and we don't want to add to it. About 20 years ago, John MacArthur's church out in California was sued because they counseled someone from the Bible, and that person wound up committing suicide the parents of the girl who committed suicide sued his church saying, you should have been using something other than the Bible. Went to the California Supreme Court and they said, well, well, no, I mean, this is what they believe. Thank God. I don't know if the California Supreme Court would have reached the same decision today, but 20 years ago they did. We're, we're told not to add to the word of God. We're told we, we don't have to. The word of God has everything we need for a life and for life and godliness. We don't have to add to the word of God. And so uh in the very beginning, what was the what did we hear Satan say in Genesis chapter 3? You know, Eve says we're not supposed to eat uh, eat of the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. Uh, and uh and uh, what, did, what did Satan say? He said, "Or we will, or, or we will die." And Satan said, "No, you surely will not die." So he was trying to add to the Bible. And then what did she say? She said, "We're not supposed to touch it." Well, we're actually never really said that. You're not supposed to eat it. True, you're not supposed to. God never said not to touch it, although it's probably not a good idea to touch it um, as well, getting close to to the sin. But um, the last book of Revelation, uh, rather the last book of the Bible, Revelation, ends with what? Don't add to this book. So Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian scientists all have their own extra Bible with the absolute infallibility to it that carries equal weight, if not more, to the Bible. And hence the problem with uh, those religions. And so, every word, of the, uh, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to them who put their trust in Him. Do not add to His word. Verse 7. Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. You know, you hear from time to time yeah, you know, someone talks about oh, I wish I had that person's salary. They make a half a million dollars a year and and you say, Well, come on, come on, money's not everything. And they say something like, well, it's not everything, but it doesn't hurt either. Well, the Bible says that's not true. Many times it does hurt. That's what this verse says. he's saying, don't give me so much uh, that, verse 9, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? That's the right attitude to have about riches. Lord, never give me a dime more than... I'll be able to handle. You say, "Well, I'm so mad. I didn't get that promotion and raise." Well, maybe it's because the Lord can't trust you with extra riches. <laughs> Deal with it. But it also says, "But Lord, please, please meet my needs, lest I be poor." Verse nine and steal and profane the name of my Lord, meaning uh, I, I, I become a disgrace uh, to God, being be, because I'm a thief and I have to steal. Verse t- ten. Do not malign a servant to his master, lest he curse you and you be found guilty. So I'm always very, very reluctant and cautioned before I go to another pastor and say something about someone in that pastor's flock. Or I go to another manager and I say to that manager, you know, your person, blah, 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 blah. It's very... We need to be very, very cautious of going sort of outside our realm of authority and being uh, and, and going to that other authority and criticizing. doesn't mean we never do it, of course. But the, the thinking here is, you know, we, we, we shouldn't be busy bodies. We should be careful uh, that we're not uh, busy bodies. And, and we need to be cautious about going to another person and complaining about their employee or some person. Um, under them i've noticed parents by the way um, are unbelievably sensitive Ah, you know you go to a parent and talk to them about your their child man i'm not saying never do it but please pray about it before you do it (laughs) pray about it and also you got to understand that every family is different every kid is different uh, not everyone is, you know, not every uh, kid or or as rosy and shiny maybe as your kids. You, you just need to be very, very cautious uh, with this type of with this type of thing. There is a generation, verse eleven, that curses its father and does not bless its mother. So when society reaches the p- uh, point where Kids are cursing their father and not blessing their mother. Oh, man, is judgment around the corner. That's what this is saying. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes. Yet it is not washed from its filthiness. So we've talked about this a lot. You know, we have a generation like that. A generation pure in its own eyes. Oh, all our... Uh, The things that we do, the casual drug taking, the casual sex, the, you know, casual uh, dishonesty. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filthiness. Verse 13, there is a generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes. Their eyelids are lifted up. There's a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Verse 15. I love this one. The leech has two daughters. Give and give. It should actually read gimme and gimme. The leech has two daughters. Gimme and gimme. So you know what a leech is, right? Do I need to describe to you what a leech is? Nasty things. They get on your skin and they suck the blood from you. Ugh. It's awful. <laughs> there are three things that are never satisfied. Four that never say enough. The grave. The barren womb. The earth that is not satisfied with water. And the fire that it never says enough. And so... Here, just speaking of, you know, death, you know, the odds of you dying are 100% unless Jesus uh, returns. The barren womb, and, you know, this is one of the most difficult trials that any man or woman uh, can go through, just being, trying to be pregnant, a couple, and being barren, and just, it's just a... Uh, uh, it's a trial that has to be put on the altar every single day lest bitterness result and yeah, I've seen this over the years really encouraged though with what the Lord, what I've seen the Lord do in people's lives who are really, really, really willing to give the issue over to the Lord you guys know Pastor Keith, right? He was here a year ago today, he taught here Sunday morning he was uh and they tried to have kids, I think, 15 years. If it had been 11 years, whatever. I, I, it, was well, it was over 10. And um, they finally gave up. Well, they got pregnant last year. And Keith just called me last month. Um, and they're pregnant again. And so we are rejoicing with them. But the, you know, looking back, the Lord used them so much during that time period. And it's, you know, be careful, you know, before you run out and spend $20,000 on in vitro or whatever, or these type of things. Just not that that type of stuff is wrong. You just consider, well, maybe this is a season I'm supposed to be in, and the Lord has a purpose for it. Maybe I should be adopting. Maybe there's a child waiting for me, in 80. This type of thing. But it's that, it's... It's something that we need to really pray for, for people who are in it. It is a hard, hard trial, the barren room. The earth that is not satisfied with water, speaking of a drought, and the fire that never says enough. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother. The ravens of the valley will pick it out. This is the Bible. It's not... Um, Incredibly descriptive. The ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. Wow. There are three things which are too wonderful for me, yet four which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a virgin. And so, just speaking of things that are... There is just something so glorious and mysterious about them. They just speak to the, you know, sort of the glory of God. Eagles. Are any of you like eagle freaks? Like you really like eagles? Eagles are pretty cool, man. Those things uh, are cool. An eagle has its eyesight eight times the resolution in the eye than uh, a, a than a human being has. They can read a newspaper from a block away. That is, if they could, of course. But from a block away, they actually have that uh, uh, ability. They can, uh, you know, see the tiny little things from like a half a mile away. But there's. They, they're amazing creatures. They have these tubes in the back of their eyes called these tubes are called pectin, and they operate as a magnet. They have like this electromagnetic fluid, believe it or not, flowing through these tubes. And the, it acts as a, it acts as sort of a, a flight system f- for them or, or a flight control tower for them because what happens with so if they're in a nest, and they fly, whatever, 10, 12 miles away to get food. The farther away they get from their nest, the more this, these pectin in the back of their eye put pressure on their eye. And so they actually find their way back to their nest just because of what's going on in the back of their eye. And so just this amazing thing, a serpent on a rock, just the mystique of it. You can't track it, you know, it's... Uh, the ship on a sea, this uh, this awesome type of image, it's coming and going, it has no trail, kind of like the eagle, The you know, how, how do they get from here to there, the way of a man with a virgin, you know, How it, 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 with a maiden, I think the um, King James says, but you know, how it happens, how they first know each, each other, the chemistry, the signals that no one knows about, understanding between them that something's going on, you know particularly if the relationships are preordained by the Lord. You know, God's, God's in control, a lot like verse 4. You know, the, the, the Lord has created all these things. He knows all about them. We're never going to be able to fully figure out um, how it happened. Verse 20, this is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done nothing wrong, no wickedness. And so just the the picture there of a seared heart. And this is what sin will do to us if we sin and sin and sin and sin. Our heart hardens and hardens and hardens to the point where there's absolutely... God gives us over to our sin and it's just like we're hardened by it. And we can wipe our mouth and say, I haven't done anything wrong. That's why sin is a scary thing. For three things the earth is perturbed. Everyone know what that means? Perturbed. It means like, you know, gets anxious or troubled. Gets troubled. Yes, for four it cannot bear up. A servant when he reigns. A fool when he is filled with food. A hateful woman when she is married. And a maid servant who succeeds her mistress. So, it starts off with a a servant when he reigns. You know, sometimes people have raised up from... Uh, you know, uh, from from the position of a servant and been wonderful rulers. But there have been many cases throughout history where, you know, there's a coup or something. The servant takes over and just oppresses the people. That's what this is getting at. A fool when he is filled with food, meaning, you know, a fool, a fool who has been satisfied, their belly is full, man, they're going to be talking their foolishness all the more. A hateful woman when she is married. So a woman who comes into uh, a relationship uh, with just bitterness. is going to be a big time problem. Big time in her marriage. It's just going to be like this says. Verse 21. Three things the earth is perturbed. Four it cannot bear up. You just cannot bear up when there's bitterness in the marriage. Can't do it. And it's one of the things that in premarital counseling we we try to really work through. Uh, Hebrews says in chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, beware lest the evil root of bitterness you know rise up among you and defile many. It defiles so many people. And then finally, a maidservant who succeeds her mistress. And so, again, the idea of getting into a position of responsibility when there's just immaturity there and the inability to to deal with it. I love these next few verses. There's so much here for us in the spiritual realm. There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a feeble folk yet they make their homes in the crags, meaning in between the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. The spider skillfully grasps with its hands, and it is the king's palaces. And so, really encouraging verses to me and... I was just really even this morning in my devotion time, just meditating um, on these verses, and you know, it, it, it speaks of you know four things which are little on earth but exceedingly wide: ants preparing their food in, in the summer, and just how important it is for us to prepare. The Bible says that supremely we need to be preparing for heaven or at a minimum for Jesus' return. Colossians chapter 3 says this, verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore... Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. In other words, prepare yourself for Jesus' coming. Prepare yourself for Jesus' coming, it says. And then it goes on. You know, put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And then it goes on. And put on the new man. Prepare yourself for Jesus' coming, who is renewed in knowledge According to the image of him who created him, it says, uh, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So the, the thought here is prepare. Prepared. You're being prepared either for heaven, for eternity, for Jesus' return. And look at an ant, this tiny little thing. You know, it's 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 exceedingly wise. It's it's preparing its food in the summer. The rock badgers or conies are a feeble folk. Yet they make their homes in the crags. Every. A coney. So any of you have been to Israel, ever seen one of these things, conies? I guess I'm told they look like little gerbils and stuff, and they live in the rocks and in the crags. And, you know, sometimes we, we get in the season where there's spiritual warfare. It's like we feel like there's a... You know, a band of angry, lying hyenas screaming in our ears. And, and it's just so comforting just to get before the Lord and just hide in the cleft of the rock. That's where I was this morning. Just hiding in the cleft of the rock with the coney, the rock badger. And, you know, these, are, these, th- these things, they're just doing it out of Instinct ants and conies how much more should we be doing it when we have the word of god telling us to do it the locusts have no king yet they all advance in ranks have you guys read up about like some of these unbelievable locusts uh what do you think is it a plague what what is it when a locust is that a plague or a, a locust plague is that what it is the, the biggest one on record, 1748 in South Africa, covered 2,000 square miles. 300 billion locusts, it's estimated. It was e- eating 600,000 tons of food a day. And human beings are just starving. And a stor- storm blew them out to sea. They wound up dying in these 40 feet deep, 50 mile long pile of locusts on the beach. These things just devour. You read about the stories of these things. These things just eat everything in their path. They advance in ranks is what this is saying. And I think of the church. People devouring each other with their own agendas, not marching in ranks. We're told that the gates of hell will never prevail against us, but we can't even march out and go against the gates of hell because, you know, the different churches, you know, were... Bickering and sidering with one another over, you know, over doctrinal issues that are not critical. Obviously, there's some that are, but but there's so much disunity. And that what this is saying is, look, these locusts—they're just doing it by instinct. And and look at what they do. Look at how they devour the, what they're in front of. How much uh, how much more should we just advance in ranks? Can't come in with our own agenda. We just need to. Then just needs to be, you know, unity and, and and marching forward. And then the final one, verse 28, the spider skillfully grasps with its hands. Now, how many people say, as say some spider in your in your version? Anyone have the NIV? What does the NIV say? The lizard. And I think that's right. I, I think it's right. I think it's lizard here um i don't know if there are spiders in the king's palace you know but there there's certainly lizards and geckos there it's they think this is talking about commentators think this is talking about a, a gecko and so on a gecko you see, you know what those things are are they unbelievable or what i mean you see these lizards they see, you know you've seen them, they attach to like a sunroof it's like how are you doing that you're hanging upside down you know and the, they're like walking across the top of a ceiling. Uh, you know, I, 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 another one of those things, the evolution. I wonder how many billion times they had to fail before you know they evolved to the place that they could uh, do that. Uh, it's because evolution never happened and it's a bankrupt science. But, uh, you know, it, it's, they have, geckos have thousands of, of hairs, little hairs, and they have these microscopic hooks and as it turns out, glass, for example, actually is a porous surface, believe it or not. And these things, these geckos can actually cling on, cling into this porous surface. And and, and the thing they're in the king's house. They you know Solomon collected lizards and things like that, you know, interesting creatures. That's what he used to do. It says of Solomon. It says that. And for us, as we live in the king's house, in the king's world, and, and how many precious and great promises we have that just, we just need to keep them with us wherever we go just to cling on to them. Those precious promises that we have. So uh, a gecko, this says a spider, skill, skillfully grasping with its hands. Verse 29. Verse 29. There are three things which are majestic in pace. Yes, four, which are stately in walk. A lion, which is mighty among beasts and does not turn away from any. You know, we we read last week that the righteous are as bold as a lion because we know who our Savior is. A greyhound. Man, you see those greyhounds... Uh, now, what does the NIV say? A rooster. So that's right. So uh, this this says a um, the the NIV says a rooster uh, and just sort of you know majestic a male goat also or a he goat and a king's a king whose troops are with him. So just an observation here. Verse 32, if you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have devised evil, put your hand on your mouth, for as the churning of milk produces butter, and wringing the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath produces strife. And so, you know, just it's kind of, again, very descriptive here, like taking someone's nose and twisting it and blood, you know, uh, comes out. You know, so is uh, someone who is just, you know, through their anger and their angry words and their angry spirit, just f- sort of forcing themselves on people and forcing their wills on people's lives is all day. It's just like the ring of the nose that produces blood, meaning it's just it's creating these situations that are just uh, not okay. Okay, chapter 31. What time is it? What's that? It's 8.02. So we will finish Proverbs next week. Here, verse 33? I think I did 33 for as the churning of milk produces butter I didn't I didn't go over that one too much but you know that's like the butter and the ringing nose produces blood so the forcing of wrath produces strife but when you think I skip a verse you raise your hand just as you did because I like it when people do that. So, except don't do that. Don't do that on Sunday morning. Sunday night, it's a good idea. <laughs> Sunday morning, I sort of skip over. So, it would not be a good idea to do that every once in a while. But chapter 31, the, uh, the virtuous woman. You know, I, I remember just last year, I think. Is uh, that right? Right. The Proverbs 31 woman. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord she shall be praised. Now, this is just such a wonderful chapter, but it's it's widely misunderstood. I actually saw a woman speaking at a woman's conference, and she was went over she went over Proverbs chapter thirty-one, and like the whole sermon, she's like, "Don't you hate these kind of women?" And then she, she she's, she's 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 looking at you know. Verse thirteen she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands don 't you just hate those kind of women they're like is that a christian woman's conference and she 's like that the whole time, and then somehow at the end, you know she wraps it up and but that's that is this is like the word of God and this and I think the correct interpretation of this this woman doesn't exist, but the Bible always has a standard for us to strive to, and if we have the Spirit of God, we love that. We love a standard way, way higher uh, than what we can ever meet. It's a wonderful thing. Of course, I do know one woman like this, and it's my wife, but um, uh, anyway, I don't think, you know, but Stephanie will read this, and, you know, she shared with me, wow, this is kind of discouraging reading this sometimes, and, 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 and it's understandable um, because this is one superwoman. Man, is this superwoman uh, here. But uh, it is the woman that the Spirit of God uh, over time forms and fashions. You know, we're not going to be perfect until we have our perfect bodies. And we're transformed at the rapture. Or we're going to go to heaven. And, uh, but a wonderful, memorable chapter so you can read ahead this week we're going to pray just before we leave and that's how we close our services and this evening